Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hope you're all having a superlative Saturday. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from OB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you with another great podcast and my buddy from the Vegas Ads and Information Network, Jeff Parles, producer for Gil Alexander on a numbers game, and he owes VSIN's Market Watch, which you can tune in to 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific. That is 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. He is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at Game 6 of the ALCS potential World Series futures, all of that good stuff. So we're going to have a great conversation there. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on Game 6 of the ALCS as, well, that is the only game going on. And first things first, I always like to get to your Twitter questions. You can feel free to fire those in at JuniorScoreD1. Now, if you send these questions into the timeline, it is going to be much like having me over in Friday's game. It's going to look promising in your mind, but in reality, it will yield no results. Meanwhile, if you set it into the timeline, well, it is going to be answered on this fine podcast. Unfortunately, I did not get any Twitter questions in. We are not going to be answering any of those because, well, we obviously don't have any questions. But one thing I can answer for you guys is the best place to be able to get tickets, and it is our aforementioned sponsor, Vivid Seats. Whether you want to go to one of these World Series games, maybe you're a little bit more of a NFL slash college football goer, 
You can get all these tickets and so much more through the Vivid Seats app. And if you're a first-time customer, you type in the promo code OVERTIME. That's all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. You're able to get up to $100 off of all tickets. And they offer tickets to more than just sporting events, things like concerts and other events like that. You are able to find on the Vivid Seats app, so a big thanks to them. And a big thanks to Yankees for being able to win in Game 5. So that way, we actually have a game to preview tomorrow. So let's take a look at how they were able to extend this series. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. This is the textbook definition of a game dying as the Houston Astros were able to play to run in the first setting off a wild pitch by James Paxton. Paxton going into this game, by the way, during the regular season, had an ERA of 9 during the regular season. And then in all other innings, I think his ERA was below a 2-3. So he certainly was able to settle down throughout the year after the first setting, and that was the case here as from there, he doesn't allow a single earned run. And the Houston Astros, they had their opportunities. They just were unable to cash in. They leave nine men on base. They go 0 for 6 with Ben in scoring position. And they really blew this game in the first inning. Justin Verlander winds up giving up five hits. Four of them in the first inning, including a pair of home runs as he gets blown up for four runs, all of which were earned. Other than the game we went on short rest against the Rays, and I think this was the first time since August that he gave up more than three earned runs. And getting those two home runs for the Yankees, DJ LeMayu, a solo shot to be able to lead off the game. And then a three-run shot off the bat of Aaron Hicks, a guy that by and large has had his struggles this year. Absolutely huge hit for him. That was able to get the Yankees up by a count of 4-1 to after the first inning. And then from there, nobody else scored. You take a look at the Yankees bullpen. Tommy Canely was able to get an out. Zach Britton gets five outs. He got out of a big jam. I believe that Alex Bregman had met on first and third. He was unable to come through. And then Aroldis Chapman closes the door in the ninth inning. So the Yankees' strength in their bullpen was able to hold up. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, Verlander after that first inning was able to calm down. In six innings after that, he gives up one hit, no earned runs. I don't even think he walked better in the Brad Peacock. A guy that was speculated as perhaps being a long reliever, he gets thrown out there in the eighth inning and he winds up not giving up a single earned run in the process. So the Yankees were certainly able to do their damage early and that's all that they needed as you take a look at unders in the championship series between the National League and the American League. You've had three overs of six unders and the Yankees in this one were a little bit of an underdog. So now for the Entirety of the playoffs. Favorites are 19 and 12 straight up. And we've noticed that a lot of these teams that have been winning these games have been winning these games by more than one run. I believe that we've only had one one run game in this. AL Championship Series, and I think that there might have been one in that Nationals versus St. Louis Cardinals Series, but by and large, run lines and reverse run lines have been proving to be very profitable in that regard. So, a little bit of a short and sweet open there, as much like the game that we saw in Game 5, this one died a little bit, as we didn't have a lot of action after a very, very awesome intro, but what is going to be able to give the life back into this podcast is our man, Jeff Parles of the Vegas Sats and Information Network, as he joins me next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. All right, and we are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios. And joining me right now is our good buddy from the Vegas Sites and Information Network. You can catch his show, Market Watch, from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Time every Monday through Friday. If you're on the East Coast, that is 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can also catch him on a numbers game. He is a producer for Gil Alexander. 
That show, 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific on the West Coast. If you are on Eastern Time, that is 10 to noon Eastern, and that is all on the Vegas Sands and Information Network, which you can catch on Fubo TV, Sirius XM Channel 204, Sling TV. List goes on and on. Jeff, the Vegas Sands and Information Network is all over the place now, my friend, and you do a great job of doing a little bit of everything with them. You're a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, and I appreciate your flexibility in joining me tonight. Appreciate it, Greg. It's an interesting night here because I'll be honest with you, Greg, when I agreed to hop on with you earlier in the day, I thought we were going to be previewing game one of the World Series, not game six of the American League Championship Series. Oh, I'm right there with you. I thought that the Astros were going to be able to take care of business. They closed us right around a minus 140 favorite, depending on where you look a little bit more, a little bit less, with Justin Verlander on the mound. And this was a classic game in which you saw fireworks in the first inning, and then the game just completely died. Justin Verlander gives up two home runs in the first inning. From there, I think that the Yankees scratch across one hit, and the Astros just could do absolutely nothing, leaving nine men on base. Yeah, what a disastrous beat of you at the over in this game. Oh, I had it. Don't worry. Oh, what a a horrible beat. You had five runs in the first inning and then nothing the rest of the way. If you had that yes in the first inning ticket, I was fortunate enough to grab it at plus 135 and basically the peak of the market at the South Point, which was very odd. It was 15 cents above normal market value, but that was the only thing that really hit with runs. And obviously, Yankee reverse run line ended up being the right play in this game, Greg. Yeah, we've noticed that a lot during the postseason as well as a lot of these games are not coming down to one run. A lot of these games have been very, very overwhelming and favorites by and large have been doing a very good job. I recognize that in each of the last two games in this American League Championship Series, the underdogs have won. But for the entirety of the postseason, favorites are 19 and 12. And there's been good value in just taking the money line with these favorites. Yeah. And again, you look at this whole thing. I mean, look at the NLCS. The Nats were favored in three of those four games. The Nats, I mean, covered the run line uh, every single game in that NLCS, and they covered a reverse run line in game one. And you look at this Yankee-Astros series, the Astros won as a dog in game four. They lose as a favorite in game five. But other than that, the Astros favored in game two win that, favorite in game three with Cole win that. It's going to be very interesting to see what this line is whenever we get one in game six, what that's going to be. Because, again, there's questions of who's going to start for either team going into that one. Yep, as we do this podcast, there is no announced starter on either side, and we're going to be getting that on the flip side with Jeff Parles as he is joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And I do think that it is very intriguing, the fact that it looks like both these teams are going to be going with a bullpen game for Game 6. With the Houston Astros, you've got Garrett Cole, a man that if you've bet against him in each of his last 16 starts, you've lost 16 straight times. And I think that over his last 21 starts, he personally is 16-0 and 0 in those decisions. It's absolutely insane. Meanwhile, Luis Severino is going to be going in Game 7 for the New York Yankees. I get why the Astros are saving Garrett Cole for a potential Game 7, but if you're the Yankees, why in the world are you saving Luis Severino? Because if you lose this game, you go home. Well, again, Greg, more than anything, you would have short rest for Severino going in Game 6. Look, the Yankee bullpen has been quite good throughout the year, except for Adovino in this postseason. Has been a mess. Chapman has pitched well in Game 5 in his first save of the series. Britton has looked solid. Did get five outs in this game. It'll be interesting to see how fresh he is in a Game 6. You're probably going to see Severino go for the Yankees when it's all said and done. But again, 
You don't know who would go in Game 7, but you got to get to Game 7 first, obviously, Greg. I would expect to see Severino, even if it's for a short period of time, on short rest in Game 6. I totally agree with you, and I think that the most interesting part of this game as well is, do we see J.A. Happ? Because J.A. Happ has been more of a flyball pitcher, giving up more than two home runs per nine innings for the season, but we've noticed that the ball is much more dead here in the postseason than it was during the regular season. I don't want to hear from anyone that, oh, there's no such thing as a juice ball or anything like that. These balls are different. Don't lie to me. I mean, <laughs> and I think that it's one of these situations where J-Hab, it's been his one bugaboo all year long. Home runs. By and large, past the home run ball, he hasn't been too much of a different pitcher from what, what he was in previous years. And I do think that this playoff atmosphere actually might be good for him. Man, doesn't it stink that Sabathia got hurt? Yes. Like, this would be the perfect spot for CeCe. I trusted him more than I trust Hap. Look, Hap, Greg, you're doing this every single day. You know what Jay Hap was in the regular season. He was all run machine. Now you're right. The balls are clearly unjuiced in this postseason. But Hap did still give up the walk-off homer to Correa in Game 2. The Yankees are in a scenario here where you're probably going to see Jay Hap pitch, maybe even start. Could you imagine, Greg, if Severino goes in Game 6, if Jay Happ starts Game 7 of the American League Championship Series, wow. if the Yankees were to win. I mean, that's a realistic scenario, which would be very funny, Greg, because we end up with Gary Cole and Happ in Game 7. Gary Cole is probably going to be, I don't know, probably $2 in Game 7. I was about to say $2, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, we're talking about the two best teams in baseball for most of the year would be a $2 favorite in Game 7 if it's Cole. Well, really, it doesn't matter who goes for the Yankees because it's going to be a bullpen game. In that spot. But look, again, if Jay Happ has to give the Yankees any realistic length, the Yankees are probably screwed. But again, this series has been strange enough where you expect Tanaka to pitch well in game four. The Astros hammer him. You expect Verlander to close it out in game five. Verlander loses. This series has had a lot of ebbs and flows. It's been an unpredictable one for me. Honestly, other than the over in game four and a few first innings here and there, this has been a difficult series to get right. It has been an interesting series, I will say. Fortunately, I was on the right side of Masahiro Tanaka in both Game 1 and Game 4. I bet on the Yankees in Game 1. I thought that he was going to be able to pitch very well, just because in his postseason career, he's been very good. I thought that it was a get-right spot for Zach Granke in Game 4. Obviously, I thought I was on the right total in Game 5 with the over. That looked very good for an inning, and then it just went straight down the toilet as... It was about as dead as Northwestern's offense, to use a college football <laughs> reference, was. Like, it's Ohio State on Friday. But with that said, there's nothing you can do. And Jeff, would you mind sticking with me for our segment that I like to call Touch Em All to speculate on what the line might be for Game 6? Yeah, absolutely, Greg. All right, we are going to hit a quick break. And coming up next, I give you a side in total in a game that doesn't have a side in total available. It's something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we're back here on MLB Overtime betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. And we've still got Jeff Parles joining me right here as we're going to be giving you what we think is a side and total for Game 6 of the ALCS. And just a reminder that if you're looking to bet on this game, along with anything else, NFL, college football, college basketball, when it comes up, 
Our good friends at MyBookie is what is providing all that for us. And if you type in the promo code OVERTIME, that is all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, you're able to get your first deposit doubled up to $1,000 at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie, where you play, you win, and gosh darn it, you get paid with their tremendous menu of so many different betting options. And there's going to be a lot of options to play this game, 923, 924 on the betting rotation between the Astros and the Yankees as we do this podcast. We have no idea who these teams are going to be trotting out there. I'm seeing reports that Luis Severino is probably going to be starting in Game 7, which would mean that you probably have to go with Jay Happ in Game 6 or else you do something like Chad Green and you just use everyone for an inning for the New York Yankees. Meanwhile, the Astros have yet to announce someone, but you got to think it's going to be Jose Urquidy. And with Urquidy, it's not like he's been bad. His ERA during the regular season was right around a four. He was effective when the team needed him against the Tampa Bay Rays. And by and large, I trust Urquidy as a starter a little bit more than Brad Peacock, who I think that if it was going to be a bullpen game for the Astros, that speculation was thrown out the window as to who would start because Peacock wound up throwing that inning in game five. Yeah, I would expect Urquidy to start for Houston. As you said, again, not terrible, but really, if you expected Jose Urquidy to start a playoff game, congratulations. No. You probably catched a nice ticket there if that was a bet offshore somewhere, which I'm sure some offshore had that going into the postseason. You know, you, you want me to be honest with you, Greg? I'm kind of surprised that Josh James wouldn't be the guy to get the call. That's the guy I think I would throw if I were Houston. He can give them two innings. Get them off to a solid start. He's looked good in this postseason. Your quitty just hasn't pitched much this postseason. I agree with your point on Peacock. If Peacock didn't throw the eighth inning in game five, we probably would see him. We've seen Peacock start postseason games in the past as well before moving fully in to that bullpen role. And like we talked about in the last segment, for the Yankees, if it's not Severino, which it looks like Aaron Boone is going to save Severino for a potential game seven, I think you have to go with Jay Happ, don't you? I think you're stuck in that scenario where you go Hap or, like you said, you could go Chad Green, get through the top of that order, maybe even have him throw two innings and then throw Hap in there in the third inning. Look, I think I'd just go with Hap from the start and have Green ready to go immediately if Hap gets in any trouble at any point. I totally agree with you. And what I find so interesting about this series in general is the fact that we are seeing some unlikely guys step up with the bats. Now, the fact that Glaber Torres has two home runs in this series for the New York Yankees, not a surprise. He had 38 home runs during the regular season. He was really the lone survivor, as I think everyone else on the Yankees starting lineup wound up missing at some point at least 10 days on the injured list, aside from maybe Brett Gardner. I think he was on the injured list, too, though. I mean, it's just a long list of guys that have gotten banged up. But for the Houston Astros... Expected a little bit more out of Yoli Gurriel and Jordan Alvarez. Both these guys are hitting either .050 or .053 for the series. And I think that a big key for the Astros is getting at the very least one of these two guys right. Because with Alex Bregman hitting a 200 as well, it's leaving this team to rely upon Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve to do a little bit of everything. Well, in all honesty, Greg, you could argue the biggest hit in the series was Springer's homer against the knockout True. game four. So it's really, it's been the top third of the lineup. It's been Springer, who I don't think his leg is 100% right. You saw it when he was going around the bases in game four on that hidden run with Altuve late in that game. Altuve's been brilliant. We know how good he is. Brantley, again, Brantley, I said it before the year, Greg, I thought Brantley was one of the two best acquisitions this offseason 
in Major League Baseball, and that has absolutely panned out with them getting Brantley, on, in all honesty, pretty cheap for a guy who's the number three hitter on an 107-win team when it was all said and done in the regular season. You look at the rest of that lineup, yes, Bregman is struggling. I'm not worried about him. He'll start hitting at some point. But Gurriel and Alvarez, I'm concerned about Alvarez. He's looked terrible this whole postseason, Greg. He just has not looked like what we got used to in a regular season. But one thing with Alvarez, it really felt like Alvarez hit a lot of home runs in 7-1 games or 5-1 games when the game was really already decided. So I would like to see a little more clutch gene for Mr. Alvarez as this goes along. But look, you're right. What gives the Astros the ability to be that 107-win team they were in the regular season was their lineup depth. I mean, Chirinos, I think, is a pretty good hitter behind the plate, also batting at the end of the lineup, and he hasn't done much. Reddick had that homer in Game 3, and that's basically been it in this series for him. Look, the Astros are going to need a full team effort, obviously, Greg. But again, I still think they're the significantly, but no, not significantly, but they are the better team in this spot against the Yankees. I do agree with you, and what do you think this price is going to shake out at if it is indeed Jose Uriquini going up against Jay Happ? Because I don't know where I would set that at. I have to think that the Astros are a slight favorite because they are at home, and let's face it, I feel like betters are just so sour on Jay Happ, even though in his relief appearances in the postseason, he by and large has been decent. I think something else that plays into this is the fact that Tommy Canely, Zach Britton, and Aroldis Chapman all did have to throw in Game 5. Now, for Zach Britton, the fact that he threw one and two-thirds innings is really masked by the fact that he only threw 18 pitches. So it's not like he had a big workload. But Tommy Camley, it would now have to pitch on three straight days, which I think that's going to be a little bit difficult. And with the Houston Astros using Brad Peacock on the bullpen, this means guys like Ryan Presley, Josh James, Will Harris, all these guys that wound up pitching in Game 4, they all did not have to pitch in Game 5. Yeah, how do we close that for Verlander? Verlander was right around minus 140. Yep, total seven. Yeah, one, okay, so 140 on the road for the Astros with a perceived significant pitching advantage, which that's what I perceived too. And Paxton was brilliant for the Yankees in game number five. I don't know. I'm thinking minus 150 on the Astros, minus 145 at home with your quitty and half, maybe a little bit steeper because of. Like you said, Hap is a lowly rated pitcher in the power ratings this year. That would be my guess. Total's got to be high, Greg. Total's got to be nine, doesn't it? I was thinking nine because when we were seeing offshore lines for the total in what was supposed to be the bullpen game in game four, I was seeing a total of nine and I was seeing the Yankees as a minus 110 favorite. So I would go a little bit less than minus 150 on the Astros, but I certainly would be looking at a total of nine. And if we get a nine, I'm probably going to wind up taking that over because even though we haven't necessarily seen fireworks in this series aside from game four, these are two of the best lineups that we've seen in a very, very long time in baseball. Look, they're two excellent teams. The Astros, again, they were the favorites for a reason for a very long time this year. Their lineup is stacked. They have the three great starting, well, the two great starting pitchers and the one very good starting pitcher in Granke. By the way, Zach Granke deserves a ton of credit for what he did in game four. I know he ended up not getting the win because they pulled him out in the fifth inning, but he pitched very well and stabilized that game after a rough first inning in game number four. Look, if it's all said and done, let's say it's minus one. We'll go, we'll split our difference. We'll go about minus 140, okay? If, yep. they, if it ends up being that, I think it would be take the Astros on the plus run line in that spot. And I would say over as well. At some point, the Astros offense is going to wake up, Greg. They're too good to have 
the struggles offensively that they have had throughout this series, except for one game notwithstanding for game number four. I would like over and lay the run and a half with the Strohs in a game six that, again, we'll have a line at some point. And it wouldn't shock me if we don't get that line until about, oh, I don't know, about noon Eastern. I do agree with you. And this is going to be a spot where if I'd be getting plus 150 with the Yankees, I certainly would start to be looking at it. If we go with the line that we just gave, it would be the Yankees plus 130, Astros minus 140. We'll be looking at the Astros there. But regardless, if we're getting a total of nine, unless if it's just got like massive juice where you're like laying minus 125 or something like that, oh, I, I would be looking happening. at the over. I don't see that yeah. happening either. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think it'll be probably a nine flat minus 115 at worst. Yeah, I'm thinking the exact same thing. And in that case, I'd be looking at the over and I'd be looking at the Azures at right around that minus 140 price as well. So I feel like we're in pretty good lockstep on this one. And we're in lockstep in the fact that we do a tremendous job with the Vegas Heads and Information Network. And I know that you do a pair of shows right now. Vsin's Market Watch, which you host. And then you are the producer for Gail Alexander on a numbers game. People can follow you on Twitter at your name, Jeff Parles. Let the good people at home know a little bit more about your work and where they can catch a little bit more of you since you're doing a tremendous job in all that you put your effort into. Oh, man, so much. By the way, Greg, before I do that, regardless of opponent for the Washington Nationals in the World Series, Greg, the Nats are really live in that series just because of the great starting pitching Washington has. And I know the rest has worked against teams in the past. I think the rest will work to Washington's advantage. Good they'll get point. Pitch, they'll get those starting pitchers all fresh. You'll get the, whatever order you want. Go Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, one, two, three. That's really difficult for anyone to handle. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think that I would take the Nationals on a series price, but game by game betting, I certainly see myself taking the Nationals at some plus prices. And like you just said, typically the rest hurts teams. In this case, they needed all the rest that they can get because now they can bring some of those starters in from the bullpen as well with a little bit less wear and tear. Oh, absolutely. They didn't even mention Sanchez, who has been much better than Corbin (laughs) in this postseason. So the Nats are pretty live. Again, I'm with you. I probably wouldn't lay a series price, especially if it's Houston. If it's the Yankees, I think I may very well lay a series price, but got to see where that price comes out to, Greg. But again, the World Series should be a lot of fun regardless of whoever comes out of the AL. But to get back to where people can find me, as you said, he's a great job of lining it all up there, Greg. Produce a numbers game with Gil Alexander, 7 to 9 Pacific in the morning. That's 10 to noon Eastern. And then I have Market Watch on VEASAN as well, 4 to 6 Pacific, 7 to 9 Eastern time at night. And then also me and Ben Wilson, my good friend from Columbia, Missouri, who at some point, Greg, I hope to see out here in the desert full time at some yeah. point. We do our NFL Overtime Betting Edition podcast, which is live every single Thursday at just about noon Pacific time, leading you right into the kickoff of Thursday Night Football and previewing all the week's action coming up. So those are the places you can find me. Yep, it is good to have Jeff on because he, like me, a proud member of Overtime Media, and that reminds me that College Hoops Overtime, the betting edition, we're doing a preview of every single conference in the country leading up to the start of college basketball season, which... Those podcasts are going to be coming up, ironically enough, right after the World Series concludes. So you're going to have no shortage of Greg on Overtime Media, and you have no shortage of Jeff 
on the Vegas Sats and Information Network or Overtime Media as well. So a big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have any questions for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNRS41. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. Hopefully once we get a line, and I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.